It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This is a Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, bringing you Bengals content every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We've got some news for you today. But just before we dive in, we've got a new sponsor for the Locked On Bengals podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar but doesn't have anywhere near the amount of sugar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order. With that out of the way, we're going to talk a little bit about the future of the podcast. And we've got Andy Dalton signing in Dallas. We've got the Bengals not picking up the John Ross fifth-year option. We'll talk about that in the open of the show. And stick around until part three of the show when we have our division crossover starting this week with the NFC East opponents for the Bengals in the 2020 season. We get started with Washington and we'll be joined by Chris in the third segment of the show. But before we get into talking about the Bengals or anything, there were a lot of questions late last week about the future direction of the show. Obviously, Joe in his retirement is not something that we're going to replace in the Bengals community or on this podcast. But instead of replacing it, we're just going to keep doing the best we can and do our own thing. Anytime you ask any great athlete coming to the league, you ask Joe Burrow, hey, we're hearing you're going to be the next Tom Brady. He says, please don't compare me to Tom Brady. He says, I'm going to do my own thing. And that's what we're going to do on the Locked On Bengals podcast going forward. And I'm not going to be doing it alone. In fact, it's going to be a familiar voice, somebody very prominent in the Bengals community. You all know him very well. In fact, I'm just going to keep teasing this. If you haven't guessed yet, here's the clue that's going to give it away. He used to do this podcast. James, welcome back to Lockdown Bengals. Jake, thank you for having me. This is, uh, this is great. Thanks for welcoming me back. It, uh, it's kind of fitting, right? I, I leave, Joe takes it over with yourself, and then... Joe leaves because he, he wants to retire. He's gotten old. And so, uh, no, I, I'm excited to be back. And you were right uh, about what you said. There's no way we're going to replace Joe. It's just it's not going to happen. What he brings is very unique, and there's a reason Bengals fans love him. But uh, I'm excited to be back, and I think we can uh, bring the, the best Bengals coverage, especially from a daily podcast standpoint. There's, there's not going to be anyone better. So I'm excited to, to join you, and I'm excited to be back here on Lockdown Bengals. That is something that I don't plan to change, and I think that we can maintain that level. Joe and I together, I feel like we were the best of what we did, and uh, well, I think I'm still going to be the best of what I do, and I think that you and I together will be the best of what we do. So for those of you listening, you should not expect any slippage in quality on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. In fact, I, I already have heard from a guest for this week that I think y'all will be very excited to hear from. And we get James's hot takes back. Instead of Joe and I, who are mind meld on 95% of Bengals topics, James and I are going to disagree. And I think a lot of you have been asking for that for some time. James, are you excited to get into some arguments about Trent Williams and, I don't know, probably other things? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's the thing is I've, 
I've had plenty of sports debates over the past uh, year, year and a half while in Cleveland. I have, but I, I've missed debating on a regular basis and talking Bengals on a, a regular basis. And that it's it's one thing that, that comes natural to me. You know how it is. It can be a grind, but it's something I'm really excited to do again and to have a, a co-host to do it with versus the last time when it was just me. I'm excited for that because I know you're going to disagree with me and vice versa. You're not going to like some of my trade ideas. I'm not going to like some of uh, whatever the hell you, your your opinions are on certain things. And that's going to be fun for us. And I'm sure we'll have uh, plenty of listener engagement as well. So you're right. This is not a uh, – there's, there's going to be zero slippage. If anything, we're going to push forward like you and Joe did when I left. And we're going to continue to grow this podcast and make it better and find ways to tweak it and improve because – if there's one thing that, that you believe, I know I believe, even Joe believe, it's that you can always improve, you can always get better. Uh, and certainly it's an exciting time right now to be covering the Bengals. So I can't wait to get started. Obviously, we have some some stuff to get to today. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited. And I think we're going to do, uh, not to toot our own horn, but I think we're going to do a damn good job at bringing Bengals fans content on, on a daily basis. And I do want to give a shout-out to something that will be Something that I think is a welcome addition. James is credentialed. James is going to be in Cincinnati as part of his job. So whereas Joe and I had a little bit more limited access as non-credential media members, James is going to be in there. So I, I now have a mouthpiece within the Bengals organization. I can text James questions. Hey, man, ask Zach Taylor about whatever. I can watch a press conference and be like, hey, James, ask this next. And you'll do that for me, right? Oh, I- it, will I do it? Of course I'm going to do it. But if it's a bad question or if it makes me look bad, I'll be like, oh, that was Jake's question, Zach. That that wasn't mine. So next time you go on Locked On Bengals, give give Jake crap for it. No, I, you're right. And that's that's one of the ways I think we can grow this is is having that access and me building that rapport on a, a daily basis with the players during the season. Because, again, that, that's it, it's something that uh, you, you can't replace. I know some have talked about it, but you can't replace it. And I think it's one way uh, we can bring the best coverage uh, that, that anyone is getting from a, a Bengal standpoint. So that's going to be the plan. We'll see how things go. We are going to adapt on the fly because that's the nature of the business. We do have some football to talk about, though, today, James. One of your favorite players is in the news and one of your least favorite players is in the news. Just before we get there, though, and talk about the Andy Dalton destination and the John Ross decision, James, one of your favorite protein bars is a sponsor of the podcast, and how fortuitous. How many of these have you eaten today? Two, and I eat them every single day. I love Built Bars. Like, when when I found out they were sponsoring the podcast, uh, I was ecstatic. I was ecstatic as I was joining the podcast again. Uh, Not really, but no, I I love Built Bars, and I, I think... There's a flavor for everyone. They have 18 different flavors, uh, a bunch of protein, low sugar. So if you're trying to fit your macros during this quarantine, you can do it with Built Bar. I love them, Jake. I, I don't know about you. I don't know which flavors you've had yet, but you told me about it. I've been eating these since they came out. I've been eating these for months. So I'm ecstatic that they've uh, they've joined us here on Locked On. I am a chocolate and peanut butter type, but also I'm pretty intrigued by the mint brownie. I've been eating them. They sent us a sample package. I've been eating them from the ones I think I would like the least, and I'm working my way towards the ones that I'm going to like the most. So I'll have an update for the people tomorrow. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, James, Andy Dalton signs in Dallas to be Dak Prescott's backup ostensibly. Dak Prescott, of course, has not come to terms on that long-term deal that he's pursuing in Dallas but Andy's making backup money. He's got a one-year, $7 million deal to play for the team that's down the street from his house. It's interesting, right? Because for me, that tells me there's not a lot of interest in Andy Dalton unless he turned down significantly more money to play locally, play at home. And it might inform the trade market a little bit. If he's only going to get $7 million on the open market, he's not going to Jacksonville. He's not going to... What are the other dark horse scenes for him? San Diego? He's going to Dallas to be a backup. That tells you something about where he might have been valued. Yeah, I think the the league views Andy in this market as a backup quarterback. That's just, that's the reality of it. So I think he got plenty of offers. I wouldn't be shocked at all. I saw a report that said Pittsburgh was potentially interested. We saw that he was tied to Jacksonville. Even New England was speculated to be interested But it was going to be for a backup job, not a starting job. So I think Andy looked at those offers and why be Gardner Minshew's backup and move your family to Jacksonville when you have a house in Dallas, you could stay there and you can be Dak Prescott's backup. And if you do get on the field, you have a really good supporting cast around you. And if you don't, you could test free agency again next season and you could stay home during this pandemic. I I think it makes a, a ton of sense. And it was uh, good for him to be able to go home and be a backup because I I think that was the reality of it and why the Bengals couldn't trade him. It's because no one viewed him as a starter and no one was going to pay him $17.7 million this season to be a backup quarterback. But would you have taken, would you have just said, you know what, we'll eat $10 million of this cap hit if you'll give us a third round pick. And we don't know what offers the Bengals got. We Mm presume the bears offered the same fourth round pick they traded for Nick Foles for Andy Dalton, Nick Foles contract, pretty comparable, but there's more years on it because, because of the way it was structured, Jacksonville was on the hook for a lot of that money, all the bonus money tied up for Jacksonville. So acquiring that contract, not as bad as giving out the contract in the first place was for Jacksonville. Just why not make that trade for Dalton? It had to have been the money, right? It had to have been. Yeah, I think that's it. And I think a couple factors here. One, was Andy willing to uh, potentially renegotiate his deal beyond this season with a Chicago if it meant just competing for a a spot, right? Competing for the starting job in Chicago if that trade were to happen. And we don't know. Maybe they just preferred Nick Foles. Nick Foles has had postseason success. He's done it in multiple cities. Andy hasn't. I, I get the argument either way. But unfortunately, it was just for the Bengals. It was a unprecedented year where there were just a lot of quarterbacks switching teams. Teddy Bridgewater, Tom Brady, all switching teams. Cam Newton's available. Jameis Winston signs for a million dollars. So I think he did relatively well on the free agent market. But yeah, if you're the Bengals, you look back and yeah, maybe if you could have eaten or been willing to eat some of that money 
back in you know February, March, early on when trade negotiations were, were going on, maybe you do end up getting a mid-round pick in exchange for Dalton. Instead, you let him go for free, and he finds a new home within two days. There's a chance the Bengals are being stubborn. Maybe they just weren't willing to take a fourth-round pick. Maybe they weren't willing to eat the money, and this is the outcome that we've got. But really, if you look back on it, losing a fourth-round pick most years, especially a compensatory fourth, which is what the Bears ended up trading for Nick Foles, isn't the end of the world. It would have been great to have had an extra pick. Maybe they can address another position in the draft or get another nice falling player at the end of round four. But it's not a huge loss. Let's shift gears and talk John Ross. This was expected. There's no way the Bengals could allocate $16 million to paying John Ross in the 2021 season when he hasn't been on the field, when they're working on an extension with A.J. Green, and when they just drafted T. Higgins. But this has got to hurt, James. <laughs> yeah, I, it was expected, though, and I think it puts pressure on Ross to, to one, prove he can stay healthy, and two, show what he can do with a quarterback that is much more accurate than Dalton was and Joe Burrow. And so I think it's uh, the ultimate prove it year for a guy like Ross who showed flashes at the end of uh, at the beginning of last season, rather. And we'll see if he can put it together for 16 games in 2020. He will have an uphill battle, I think, to remain on the Bengals roster. TJ Hushmanzada said this on the Orange is the New Black podcast when he was on. He doesn't see a way for the team to pay both A.J. Green and John Ross in the 2021 season. Something will have to give. And this season may tell us what that will be. And we have a couple minutes of flexibility in this episode, James, before we go on with Chris from Locked On Redskins. I think all the people really want right now is a patented James hot take. So let's talk about one for two minutes. What do you got? Oh, easy here. I, I think John Ross is going to have a huge year. I, hot take or not, I think he's poised. And here's the thing, Jake. People are laughing at that. But I look back and went back to his days at Washington in year four, his fourth year removed from high school, he had he dealt with different injuries and things. That's when he burst onto the scene and set the stage for running the fastest 40-yard uh, dash in the history of the combine and put up those huge numbers at Washington. We've seen flashes of it, right? You saw the red zone skill set a couple of years ago. Last year, the explosiveness downfield. I think he puts it all together, stays healthy, and is a big part of the Bengals' offense in 2020. I think he's he's going to be great in a year from now. If he does sign elsewhere, I think Bengals fans are going to be bumped. There's the hot take. So so here's my only issue with that, because I think if he has the opportunity, he certainly could be very productive and he could have a breakout year. But this is assuming a few things that we're not sure we're going to get yet. For one, it's health. There's always a big health question mark for him. And every year we say, man, I hope John Ross stays healthy this year. The other <laughs> thing is opportunity. The receiver room again, assuming health, is relatively stacked right now. So you've got A.J. Green, who's probably at this point in his career playing off the line of scrimmage. They're going to try to protect him a little bit. They're going to try to get him in the slot a little bit more. you got Tyler Boyd, and then you've got competition for that other outside receiver spot, the one that's going to be on the line of scrimmage, and that's going to be John Ross, T. Higgins, and probably Auden Tate. So where are the snaps coming from is my only question. And when you say he's going to have a great year, I guess I'm wondering – I feel like there's a cap on it. I feel like, you know, he, he's currently, I would project him to get maybe 55, 60% of the snaps he's healthy for. So that's the obstacle for me. Yeah. And, and I get that. Here's what I would say though, is a player like Ross who's explosive. He doesn't need 
15 targets, right? He needs health and he needs uh, efficient targets, efficient ways to get him the ball. And I look at what Zach Taylor did last year at times, especially early in the year. That's when he was at his best. And I think Joe Burrow can do that and, and be accurate on the, the three deep balls Ross may get. Well, he's going to put it on the money with two of them and not throw one out of bounds or make Ross throw up on another one and, and make a contested catch or drop it, et cetera. So I think the the decline or, or lower percentage of snaps could actually help him, one, stay healthy, and two, put him in a, a position to succeed. I, I really think that it's going to be tough. you got to balance out all these weapons. But I, I think it is possible to maximize everyone's value in this offense, including Ross, which – Again, I'm a believer. I've been a believer since uh, pre-day one before he was drafted, and uh, it looks like I'm going to be a believer not only going into this season but throughout Ross's tenure in Cincinnati. Yeah, I think what we'll just have to monitor with him is is where the snaps are coming from throughout the season, how they're using him. I would love to see them even get him into the slot on occasion if yeah. they can. Put him out there with T. Higgins and A.J. Green outside. Let him run that slot fade because – a slot fade or that reverse wheel route that's been popularized. I don't know what the what the actual term for it is. I think it has another term. But the one where the slot guy or the tight end runs the drag across the formation on an in-break and then turns it upfield on the other side of the field. They ran it with Tyler Boyd last year at least once. And I think that'd be fun for, for John Ross too, just because of the speed, the ability to take off the top. I don't disagree with you that John Ross has a high ceiling in this offense. I just need to see where the snaps are going to come from and and how the Bengals will choose to use him. And we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. The offseason, as I'm sure you remember from your time on the Lockdown Bengals podcast, is a long and uh, dry sometimes. Dry, dry for content, let's say. We're going to have to make stuff up. Last year, Joe and I were drafting pizza toppings, so we'll see what we get to this year. But coming up next, we've got joining us from Lockdown Redskins, Chris Russell, as we talk about the future Bengals-Washington matchup way too early. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Lockdown NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, football fans, it's interconference crossover week on the Locked On Podcast Network, and we start with division opponents in the NFC East and... We're, we're going in order, I guess, and, and we start with the last place teams of the AFC North and the NFC East from the 2019 season. We're joined by Chris Russell from Locked On Redskins. Chris, how's it going, man? Jake, James, how are you guys? What's going on? Uh, from one bad team to another, uh, wishing you guys all the happiest of offseason blessings, whatever this damn offseason is going to end. From the team with the first overall pick to the team with the second overall pick I guess that that is the conversation we're having on this podcast today and there are some similar themes that I think are worth highlighting that that unite the Washington football team and the Cincinnati football team we've got relatively new coaching staffs with your first year with Riverboat Ron the Bengals second year with Zach Taylor you've got a second year quarterback the Bengals have Joe Burrow 
you've got the guy that was drafted after Joe Burrow. What's the general feel in Washington coming off of the Jay Gruden years, going into a new era, Dwayne Haskins' second year, another Ohio State guy coming in to anchor the defense? Is there any optimism there? Yeah, I would say it's cautious optimism because they've been down this road so many times before with Mike Shanahan and, you know, oh, then maybe the young hip head coach, Jay Gruden, the funny guy who ironically came from the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, maybe he's going to be the guy or, or or maybe it'll be the, the, the new assistant out of nowhere, Jim Zorn, or maybe we'll go back to the glory days of Joe Gibbs part deux, and and that'll all work. And And quite honestly, guys, it's been a mess. I mean, if you if Cincinnati Bengal fans think that they've had it hard, and I'm not saying that you haven't, um, and that things were really tough under Marvin Lewis, and I know they were frustrating. I wouldn't call them really tough. If you think that, then magnify that by probably 10 around here, uh, because as we were talking before we started recording here, fellas, you know, it's been 28 years, and there's been a couple of years in that span where the Redskins have made the playoffs, backdoored, magic carpet rided their way into a division title um, by usually going on a December winning streak and, again, getting a little bit lucky. But then they quickly flame out, and they've won two playoff games, I think it is, in the last 28 years or whatever it is. It's been a really, really long stretch. So needless to say, they are very hesitant to openly embrace Ron Rivera, Dwayne Haskins, and the new era of uh you know, of Redskins football uh, in 2020. That's two more playoff wins, Chris, than uh, than the Bengals. So you, you could tell the fans in D.C. that. Um, let's uh, let's go to the quarterback position because I, I think you look at this Bengals team and the, the optimism is centered around Joe Burrow. How do Redskins fans view Dwayne Haskins after one season? And were they excited that they went Chase Young and not a quarterback with the second pick? Yeah, I think the answer to the second one definitely <laughs> Yes, Chase Young is um, a lot of reason for excitement. Everybody views him as the best player in the draft, whether that's fair or not, over Joe Burrow, who you guys took. I mean, I'll let just everybody look. They're both great players, um, but whatever. So there is some excitement over Chase Young. He's a local kid. He grew up uh, where their stadium for now is located in Prince George's County, Southern Maryland. Um, You know, ironically, I don't think he grew up a Redskins fan. So, you know, it's kind of been weird, you know, to kind of in in that regard to kind of, you know, for him to maybe embrace that and realize, oh, you know, I'm going to play at least the first four or five years of my NFL career uh, in Burgundy and gold and for the Washington Redskins. But that's neither here nor there. Going back to the quarterback, Dwayne Haskins. And of course, there's been a a heavy dose of Ohio State. infusion into the Redskins organization. Uh, Not only that, but Terry McLaurin as well, who was awesome last year. But Haskins is a guy that I'm not sure Redskins fans know what to do with. Uh, Certainly and clearly there is a fan base, a part of the fan base that's very excited, hopeful, optimistic, all of that. There's a segment of the fan base that is already, and I can tell, just done. And they, they're not, they're not exactly willing to embrace him. Um, because they sense what I think is the reality in the building. And that is the people in the building that make the decisions, Ron Rivera, Kyle Smith, who's the, they're essentially their general manager. They are hesitant. They are cautious to embrace Dwayne. And when you have that guys, I think 
when you have a beaten down fan base, I think you have a lot of doubt. Uh, I think you have a lot of consternation. Whereas in Cincinnati, right? I, I, maybe I'm wrong. You guys tell me. I, I don't know. I, I haven't heard of anyone in that organization or that fan base that isn't excited to have Joe Burrow. They, they exist. And they're Ohio State fans that really wanted Chase Young. But I think that that even that portion of the population got a lot smaller. It's interesting, actually. We do this exercise called the shadow draft where we take picks from certain spots in the draft and we just draft along with the NFL draft and we try to make our rosters. And I picked Dwayne Haskins last year. And this year I was picking second where the the actual team that had Dwayne Haskins was picking. And I was faced with the same dilemma as Washington was. And do I try to go for the quarterback in Tua and try to advance the position or do I give Dwayne Haskins one more year to show that he can stick maybe a new coaching staff can help him continue to progress as we saw that progression late last year I went with Chase Young too so I can't criticize Washington for that selection at all but yeah in Cincinnati everyone is thrilled with Joe Burrow Andy Dalton's time he'd worn out his welcome people really like him as a human being but in terms of a football player he kind of maxed out in 2015. He got out in 2018 to a really hot start, but not winning a playoff game on five tries will really wear out your welcome with the fans. And unfortunately, that's the way it went for him in Cincinnati. And Joe Burrow, on the other hand, similar to Chase Young, I think, in a lot of ways, from Ohio, from the area, didn't grow up a Bengals fan, but has embraced Cincinnati, has embraced the return to Ohio in a lot of ways, is has said he's excited to be able to, you know, two and a half hour drive from Athens, Ohio, or whatever it is, to Cincinnati. So I think everyone's excited for the fresh blood and the new start. And well, this coaching staff gets to embrace their own guy, too. That subject, I don't mean to jump in. Can you guys tell me, because um, I'm curious, and I'm sure Redskins fans will be, there seemed to be some hesitation at the first, at, at the beginning from Joe Burrow. And about the Bengals and the Bengals, as we know, are considered to be notoriously cheap and all that. What do you guys think flipped the script, if you will? Or was that a bunch of, you know, just gobbledygook and and it wasn't real from the start? Do, do you think the Bengals, I, I would say, significant and spending some pretty good capital in March, was that what turned the page or was there something else or was it just not there from the beginning? Yeah, I'll use your term. I, I think it was gobbledygook. I, I think it was a, a mixture of, you know, national talking heads assuming things that Burrow was saying. And and I think Burrow, um, whether we, we like it or not, he, he doesn't really leave um, – he'll be direct. He's not going to say things and be passive-aggressive like an Aaron Rodgers or someone like that. He's going to tell you how he feels. And so he – said, I want to be the number one pick, but he wouldn't say Cincinnati. He wouldn't say he wanted to go to the Bengals because he didn't know. And, and, and so I, I think that was, uh, wasn't intentional. It wasn't something to, to draw attention, but it did. Um, as for what they did in free agency, I, I, think, I think it was important to show Joe Burrow that they, their intentions are to win and they want to be a winning organization. But I, I think also it had to do with a, a fan base that has watched a, a, a team whose roster in 2015 was one of the best in the NFL and they go 12 and four. They've watched that roster slowly get older, uh, get worse and progressively worse to, to be one of the, the worst uh, teams in, in last year, the worst team in the NFL. So they had to show that they wanted to, to build a winner, not only for Joe, 
but an entire fan base that that appeared lost. So I think it was about winning as much as anything. But certainly the the free agent spending money, uh, the the money that they committed, nearly 150 million dollars to eight free agents. I, I think it it helped not only the fan base but convinced Joe Burrow that he was in the right place. So let's shift gears and talk about the game this year. Obviously, we're way far away from training camp even starting. I think the Bengals started their offseason program digitally last week. The odds makers like Washington in this game by one and a half points. The game is in Maryland. What's your feel right now looking way out in the future? Do you think, I mean, we don't even know what the schedule is. We don't even know when this game is going to be yet, but let's talk about it. Let's prognosticate prematurely. What's your feeling, Chris? You know, it's interesting, guys. I think, that, look, the, the most likely situation for the Redskins home opener and season opener probably would be against Ron Rivera's former team, the Carolina Panthers. But I think that there is some juice and some value in making this Bengals-Washington game a season opening game uh, and starting the Bengals on the road and, and having that subplot of, Dwayne Haskins versus Joe Burrow, you know, number one pick this year versus the guy that beat him out at Ohio State and all of that. So I think the game will come early, whether it's week one or week three or whatever, but I think it'll come early. And again, it could be the season opener. I I think the number at one and a half is, is pretty fair. Normally home teams are spotted uh, a three point you know line, but you know the Redskins have done absolutely nothing not only last year at three and thirteen to prove that they deserve more benefit of the doubt, but to be honest with you guys, they've been awful at home, and I think the last time the Bengals were in, I was at that game, and it was week three two thousand twelve if memory serves me correct, and I believe it was Robert Griffin the third's mm-hmm. home opener uh and the Bengals won a back-and-forth game, I want to say like 34-28 or something like that. Uh, you know, different teams now, whatever. But the Redskins have been awful at home uh, for, for the entire history of FedEx Field. And they've been there now 22 years or whatever it is. So I actually think the Bengals, whenever this game is, have a shot at beating Washington in their own backyard. I think that... It's going to depend a lot on when the game is. The Bengals are a team that I think is going to be a lot better in the second half than the first half of the season, but time could tell on that too. It took time for the offensive line to come together last year, and they've just got a rookie quarterback, and you've got a year advantage there with Wayne Haskins. But James, I'm going to let the new guy prognosticate here a little bit, the new old guy, I guess. What are you thinking? Yeah, I I think, uh, one, I'm with Chris. I think it's going to be early, and this is pure speculation. But the games that are going to be more important to the NFL, and we don't know when the season is going to officially start, it's all the division games. So I think when the schedule does come out later this month, the division games are going to be later in the season, October, November, December. And that first month is going to be a lot of non-division stuff. So I could certainly see Redskins-Bengals early. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then, yeah, I actually, if it is early, the reason I would argue for the Bengals is because I actually think they'll be healthy. You're right. I think A.J. Green could be available. I think John Ross could be, be available. And so while there could be some rust uh, uh, for, for some of these players and, and Joe Burrow, just growing pains for him, I would like the Bengals' chances if it were, were earlier. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I do think it's uh, it's going to be fun whenever we see it, Joe Burrow versus Chase Young, because you know Chase feels like he's the, the number one player in this draft, and he's going to want to hit Burrow early and often in, in a matchup like that. 
And he's going to feast on Bobby Hart. Let's get some score <laughs> yeah. predictions uh, again. Ridiculously premature, but just for fun. I, I see this as a very high-scoring game, I think. I'm not really sure how Washington scores points, actually. I mean, I guess you got Dwayne Haskins and Terry McLaurin. The rest of that offense is not inspiring me too much, but the defense looks a little bit scary. I'm going to say, because we're in optimism mode in the offseason, I'll take the Bengals 31-21. I'm going to jump in here, and I'll go with the Redskins, just because, again, I think the game will be early, and I think their defense is is better than people think it is, um, not only because of the addition of Chase Young, but simply because Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera are now running this uh, defense, and and Greg Minuski, their former defensive coordinator, was completely uh, overmatched. Um, so I, I I think the Redskins' defense will be better, and, and I do think their weapons are a little bit better than they're being given credit for uh, on offense. Of course, a lot of it will come down to Dwayne Haskins uh, making a big throw here or there. So I'll take the Redskins, eh, let's call it, I'll say an ugly Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock matinee, 1917. How about that, folks? It's interesting. You know, it's interesting. I'll break the tie, and I'll be a homer too, because what the hell, it's May. Um, I'll take, I'll take the Bengals in this one. And I, I do think that this is going to be an interesting subplot, especially if it's early in the year. Dwayne Haskins beat out Joe Burrow at Ohio State, forced Burrow to transfer. We all know the story. I think Burrow enters with a, a little bit of a chip on his shoulder here, and, and I know Haskins has to prove himself. But if there's one quarterback out of the two I, I trust more in this matchup, I, I would take Burrow. I would lean Burrow, uh, and I think he leads them downfield, the Bengals downfield, for a late last-second field goal, 24-21, Cincinnati pulls it out. So there you have it, some very early prognostication from a bunch of people that run podcasts. We'll see if we're right in a few months or so. If this game happens, James makes a really good point. If it's a shortened season, this might be one of the first casualties That's something that we'll have to watch. But if it doesn't get canceled, we will be back with Chris for the crossover week whenever they do play. And we'll look forward to that. Thanks, Chris. Jake, James, thank you guys. Appreciate it. And uh, good luck to you both uh, and the Bengals fans all uh, this summer. That was Chris Russell from the Locked On Redskins podcast. Very gracious. I appreciate the wish for good luck. But you know what? He, He doesn't, I think, really know suffering with having playoff wins that he can remember. Come on, Chris. Yeah. I, what do you mean? I haven't had a, I haven't watched the Bengals in a playoff game in my life. Okay. My entire life. It hasn't happened. So uh, two playoff wins. I think uh, Bengals fans are saying, sign me up. Obviously expectations pretty high now entering the Joe Burrow era, but uh, the, the suffering woe is me. That, that's not going to play well with amongst Bengals fans. So you guys need to forgive him for that because he is wishing us good luck. And I think that there's some interesting points there about the Dwayne Haskins versus Joe Burrow subplot that we could see. We'll talk about that more whenever that week rolls around. We'll be back tomorrow, Bengals fans. We've got the continued locked on interconference crossover series. And James has been away for a while. He's writing for SI.com. Of course, you've probably read him a little bit there, but we have to get him on the record. So we're going to run down a series of topics that you know what Joe and I thought, and we need to get James on the record on a few of those as well. We'll get his draft grade amongst a few other topics, and we'll just break him in, make sure we have a foundation from which to go forward. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one.
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.